0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. Please like share and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the big blue view radio network. All right. We are here on a Tuesday morning to talk about the, uh, Giants Eagles Christmas day game near Christmas miracle for the Giants, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't quite to be as, uh, nothing ever seems to work out perfectly for the Giants when they, uh, when they go to the link in Philadelphia, but here to uh, to help me talk about it is Tony DelGenio of Big Blue View, as usual, in the, the day after games. Tony, hope you had a good Christmas and uh, hope everything's good in uh, in your neck of the woods. Yes, we had a really nice Christmas. Thank you, Ed. I hope you did too. Yeah, I did, except for uh, except for the darn NFL scheduling the Giants game right in the middle of what was supposed to be Christmas dinner at my son's house. Yeah, so well, I,
2: I I hate when the Giants play on on Christmas Day or any time like that. I uh, my uh, my favorite is still Sunday afternoons at one o'clock.
1: <laughs> there I you like, go. I I, I like <laughs> I like Sunday at one because that means I get to bed at a normal hour and all mm-hmm. that and, I, and all that stuff. But but anyway, Tony, let's uh, let's talk about about Giants Eagles. And I know that you only saw the second half. Last night, but uh I saw selected I, parts of the first half, but selective not selective parts of the first half when you were cheating and probably not paying attention to what you were supposed to be paying attention to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. There you go. That's how that's how that goes. But I think, Tony, I think, and I've written this at Big Blue View. I think we saw the end of DeVito Mania on Monday. Um, uh, Tyrod Taylor coming in, in the second half, and and uh you know nearly helping the giants pull off that upset but i think that that like lin ran its course like a lot of these things run their course after a while it's not none of it is tommy devito's fault but i think we saw devito mania run its course last night
2: yeah i you know i think it obviously it's a natural response from from a football fan to want to see Good quarterback play from their team because the way the NFL has evolved. I mean, this is not the NFL of my childhood when you could have kind of mediocre or okay quarterbacks still lead uh, otherwise very good teams to to championships. I mean that used that you know that used to happen sometimes when I was a kid. Uh, now it's such a, a passing driven league, such a quarterback driven league that that you you have to have excellent quarterback play if you hope to win or even contend i think for a super bowl now and so it's it's such a natural reaction to want to see any sign of hope at at that position uh obviously you have to you have to temper your enthusiasm uh because you know that you know, the other person you're looking at is was an undrafted free agent and uh you can get excited when you see people like brock purdy who who might very well have been an undrafted free agent just missed being an undrafted free agent and he all of a sudden seemed to come out of nowhere to to become a great quarterback and then last night he came down to earth with four interceptions finally uh you know and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the future for san francisco but but uh i don't you know I, you you had a piece couple of weeks ago where you interviewed several NFL draft experts about Tommy DeVito and asked for their take on them. And I think one of them might've been Matt Waldman uh, that said, uh, you know, it takes like four to six weeks to get a book on any new quarterback. And then uh, when other teams kind of figure out what, what, that quarterback strengths and weaknesses are, then they start to game plan. They have enough on film. They start to game plan against it. And they take away the things that he likes to do and so on and forth. I don't know whether we're at that point with Tommy DeVito or not, but certainly in terms of, of the schedule that Matt Waldman <laughs> gave you, uh, it's kind of right on schedule <laughs> that, that uh, you know, the, uh, the the carriage
1: turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you had to ride DeVito during the winning streak. You had to. And then. You lose last week to New Orleans and you only score six points and he had to start last week, I think, you know, coming off the winning streak and and all of this has been gravy for Tommy DeVito. He's done nothing wrong here. Um, You know, he's he's enjoyed the ride. He's he's getting his name out there he's enjoying his 15 minutes of fame he's making some money off the off uh, off all the attention and good for him but i've been trying to caution people that the Brock Purdy story is the exception and not the rule the even the Dak Prescott story being a start <coughs> Excuse me, star quarterback having been drafted in the fourth round is the exception and not the rule. Um there were limitations and there have there are limitations in Tommy DeVito's game that are clear to see, including arm strength and and sometimes just the fact that he's really inexperienced and and doesn't see things beyond his first read sometimes, which which is natural for a kid, you know, coming. You know, in in his position, but this was going to run its course eventually. You could have argued that at some point last week, if the Giants were trying to win that game, you could have argued that maybe Brian Dable should have gone to Tyrod Taylor in the second half of the Saints game. But absolutely justified to go to Tyrod Taylor in the second half on uh, on Sunday. I think it had been seven quarters at that point since the Giants had scored a touchdown, and. It was really, really clear in the first half that the Giants looked at this matchup against the Eagles and they looked at this defense that Philadelphia had. And it's a—it's not a great secondary. And they still, it wasn't a Jets game where they wouldn't let DeVito throw the ball at all. But every pass was a wide receiver screen or you know something 2 yards down down the you know down the field or the the deepest passes they threw were pretty much quick slants and and I think the the number that the the Fox broadcast mentioned was that his longest pass you know from the line of scrimmage was 9 yards his average depth of target was 1.3 yards on 16 throws they had no faith in DeVito to attack what is really a weak Philadelphia secondary, and I think that showed you that you know, he may be part of the roster going forward. He may have made he's made himself some money. I think he's made himself a, a career for the next few years, but I think that showed you that the Giants clearly don't see him as a QB one. Yeah, and I, just
2: just to mention one thing that you left out. He had Aaron Judge buy him dinner. So I mean, this like, is you know, true. I mean, I mean, that's a thrill for a lifetime to think that Aaron Judge would recognize you and buy you. And he was surprised, right? That that judge even recognized who he was. So, so you know, good for him. But yeah, I I agree completely. And uh, you know, I'll tell you the thing that bothered me because I did see the very I did see the beginning of the game. And you know, the Giants come out with the ball, and what do they do on first down? They run Saquon Barkley into the line, gets two yards. And what do they do on second down? They run Saquon Barkley into the line again. And I think they got maybe nothing or one yard on that. I can't remember, but they had, or maybe lost a yard or something like that. And they had, they wound up having third and nine incomplete pass punt. And so I think that, uh, well, I don't, I don't understand that play calling to begin with. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. if you, if you, if you actually think the guy should start, then you got to have him kind of try something, even, you know, even if it is just these less than nine yard passes, but why you just run Saquon Barkley into the line twice in a row to, to begin the game. When, as you say, the Eagles secondary has been very suspect this year and with Darius layout, even more suspect now than, than it was. You know, to me, that I think I think probably every Giants fan looked at that and said, "Oh, is this the Jets game all over again?" Uh, You know, you 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 really you really scratch your head, and I think that I'll I'll say something, and maybe you know, to just one larger point that I think maybe a lot of Giants fans are scratching their head at the play calling this year because I, I I'm I'm trying to understand what the philosophy actually is and and then and then how you are implementing the philosophy within a game and so if you think Devito should have started again yesterday then you have to give him some opportunities to pass you can't just run the whole game against the Eagles defensive line and, ex- and expect to win and so if you if you're afraid to let him pass then why are you starting him in the first place when you could have started uh taylor and if you and if you are going to let him do it then, then then put him in a position i think to 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 make some play so i I'm, I'm not sure i i get how how the play calling actually goes with the 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 choice to start him in in the first place but you know back to the larger point you know i think his i i don't want to say that his his 15 minutes of fame are are over Uh, he's obviously, you know, he obviously has some potential, okay? I mean, he, he does some things well. He, he navigates the pocket, uh, pretty well when he's under pressure. Uh, he's, we, we saw in previous games that he's not afraid to throw the ball, but it's, it also seems pretty clear now that, that he can be fooled by defenses and, or confused. Maybe that's a better word by defenses and not be able to figure out where he should be uh, throwing the ball. And, you know, you have to think that that's par for the course for someone with as as little NFL experience as he had. So you don't want to give up on him, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to anoint him uh, next year's starting quarterback for the Giants either.
1: No, but like I said, you, you read into the way that the coaching staff treats a player, treats a quarterback, treats any player. And I think the Giants, are telegraphing that they don't think Tommy DeVito is a QB1 and that's not not Tommy DeVito's fault. He is what he is. He's played way more football this year than anybody thought he should have than anybody thought he would. He's played way more than he probably should have. You know, this is it's been a great ride for DeVito, but your other point, Tony, about the play calling. I wrote a couple of weeks ago, I wrote something about Decisions that the Giants have made this year. And there's been a lot about this year that I haven't understood. And some of the play calling, and I don't know if that's you know Mike Kafka or if that's Brian Dable saying we're just going to play conservatively. This is this is what we're going to do. But I haven't understood a lot of things this year. The Giants, for example, Saquon Barkley, 23 carries yesterday. The Giants have, and I've said this before, when when Tommy DeVito has been the quarterback, when Tyrod Taylor has been the quarterback, the Giants have ridden Saquon Barkley like a mule. Give him the ball, give him the ball, give him the ball, throw him the ball. Everything runs through Barkley. When Daniel Jones has been the quarterback this year, the Giants largely ignored Barkley and told Jones to go win games. And somewhere in there has to be a happy medium, and I don't get it. I just don't get. I don't get a lot of things that the Giants have done this year. And and that's not to say that that Brian Dable isn't a good head coach. That Joe Shane's not a good general manager. It's just been kind of head scratching in the way that the way that they've gone about a lot of things this year. And uh, hopefully. Upon some self-reflection, Brian Dayball, Joe Shane, they look at those things and they say, you know, we have some culpability for the way that this season went.
2: Yeah, and the thing that, that, that makes me scratch my head about it is that I thought that last year, I mean, even though they rode Barkley hard last year, uh, and they had to, especially at the beginning, and then that changed over the course of the season as as Jones started to to come forward and and take more of a leadership role. Uh, but they, you know, they they had such inventive play designs uh, last year, and and I just don't see as much of that this year. I see it occasionally. Um, you know, I, I I thought, I mean, if you want to look at the you know, at the peak of DeVito mania, at the peak of, of DeVito mania was, was that last drive against green Bay when they were near midfield and the giants had that sale concept with, with Wondell Robinson, uh, the, the middle guy coming, coming free, then he hit him. And then, and then Wondell had a really nice gain to get them into field goal position. So that's a really nice play call that, that put, defensive backs into conflict. And, you know, uh, one defensive back, I think wasn't quite sure where he should be going and, you know, where he should be be exerting leverage and so on and so forth. And I don't see a lot of the the crossing patterns, the rub roots, the, you know, the things like that, that, that I thought we saw a lot of, of last year. I mean, there was one, there was one play when they, they actually showed the receivers going downfield and it looked like, you know, four guys running sticks and curls. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Is Jason Garrett on the sidelines or, (laughs) or what? Yeah. How, how do they expect these guys to, to get open? So I'm, 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 and again, I'm not an expert on, on offensive play calling. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in no position to criticize, but as a fan, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding what their thinking is when they go into games as to how they think they're, they're going to win uh in in, at least in some of these games not not all of them again i thought i thought the green bay game i thought they did kind of a nice job uh uh, the new england game i thought they did a a a decent job uh too uh but but this game last night I'm, i'm i i was just i don't know i didn't know i didn't know what to think about how they how they operated that entire first half and again i didn't see it all and so i might be missing some things but that was the impression from when i was watching
1: Tony, let's talk a little bit specifically about last night and about the second half. And I know that there are Giants fans who are upset about certain penalties and the John Michael Schmidt's phantom false start penalty, which I'm sorry, that was nonsense. And whatever other calls you want to complain about, I know there were people complaining that the Eagles knocked Daniel Bellinger out of the end zone on the last play that's that's never going to get called it's just not so it's not even worth discussing but there there were some some odd calls during the game the Bobby Okereke delay of game which i thought was i, I think Okereke thought the ball had come loose maybe he was kind of holding Jalen Hurts down a little bit but but you see nfl players do that all the time and i kind of thought that was over officiating but the officials didn't lose this game for the Giants. The Giants, the Giants, the Eagles are better than the Giants, but the Giants had opportunities here. They they missed some plays. We, Tyrod Taylor took over for Tommy DeVito in the second half. He played with energy. He used his legs. He made a couple of big throws, but Tyrod also missed two big throws. On, I think third down to Saquon Barkley, and a third down to Darren Waller. You, plays that had to be completed. Plays that, plays that, that a winning top NFL quarterback is going to make those plays. Has to make those plays. And and there there are other plays in the game as well, and and that just didn't get made. The game was there to be won. And the Giants just—they didn't have enough to be able to take it.
2: Yeah, I agree co- completely. Uh, yeah, the two Tyrod Taylor throws that were—I mean, not just short, but but really short. I mean, they were—they were—you know—the the, the 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 receiver is is going out, and you're throwing the ball, and it's landing at their ankles behind them, and make making it impossible uh, to catch. Those were just awful throws, and that I think is. Is I think one of the the knocks on him is that he's very inconsistent as a passer. He, he obviously has some arm strength. Uh, the the touchdown pass to Darius Slayton was was a beautiful pass, and uh, uh, I think I saw I saw on on Twitter uh, uh, Dan Schneier, who does a podcast with Nick Filato, uh every week, uh, looking at at Giants games. And I think he said that's the first time I've I think I've seen a Giants quarterback hit a receiver on a deep ball in stride so that he could continue on for the for the touchdown after catching the ball since maybe twenty nineteen or something like that. Uh and yeah, you know, and that's true. And, and and this was true, you know, even when DeVito was 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 completing long passes in his first couple of starts uh for the Giants, yeah. You know, Still, the receivers had to slow down to get the ball. And this is something that Daniel Jones has been criticized uh, for, too, not getting the ball out in front of the, the receiver enough so that the receiver can catch the ball on strike. So, Tyrants' pass to to Darius Slayton for the touchdown was just, a, a, I'd say, an almost perfect pass because, he because he made, made it possible for him to make the easy catch in stride and then make use of the couple of yards he had gotten on the, on the defensive back. But then Taylor will, will do these other things like miss passes that, and he, and he was pressured. I get it, but still a veteran quarterback like that, you're supposed to be able to get that ball out and make, make passes. And, and this is something I think that, that will always I think uh, aggravate people about, about Taylor is, is is that, you know, he's, he's just not going to make some of the passes that he should make. And, and that's one of the reasons I think that he hasn't, he's good enough to have stuck around for a really long career. He even took Buffalo to the playoffs, but there's a reason why he hasn't been a, a starting quarterback for many of those years. And I think you saw some of that last night with him.
1: Yeah, I would agree. He showed us why he's basically been a career backup. I mean, he did a lot of good things. He throws a tremendous deep ball. I've seen it in training camp two years in a row. He throws a fantastic deep ball, but it and he runs and he moves and he plays with energy and he can do a lot of things, but it's not there on a down to down basis, and and I think that's the downfall um tony let's was there anything else as you watched the second half that that really stuck out to you you know if we kind of get off the 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 quarterback train a little bit
2: well i think uh the uh, my other impressions of the game from that and, and part of the first half that i saw is that you know darren waller has to has to catch the ball a little bit, (laughs) a little bit better. And, uh, uh, I think that was frustrating to see him, him drop a couple of, well, well, okay. So, so he He dropped, dropped the one he he dropped, dropped, he dropped, he dropped dropped the one that, that he was behind, I guess, I think it was Bradbury that he was behind. Uh, and he, he could have gone and scored on that play if he, if he catches that ball. And that was, that was pretty frustrating. Um, and then uh, and then the other thing – that's right. The other thing that he did was he made he made that big catch on the last drive when they were trying to get in. And then I don't know what happened to him after he caught the ball and went to the ground. I don't know whether he was momentarily stunned or he forgot that there was less than a minute left. But he's laying there on the ground instead of jumping right up and going back to the hole. And teammates are coming around, pulling him up. Come on, come on. we got to run another play. And I, it took the Giants like 17 seconds to get another playoff, I think.
1: I know that he was – I know he got banged up in some way on that play, Tony, but but you have to make some sort of an effort to get up, get off the field, get out of the game, you know, and, and get, us, yeah. get someone else in because really what that did, when I look at that, taking so much time, I, mean, I think it was Darius Slayton and Daniel Bellinger trying to drag him up and and get him either off the field or back to the huddle what you really did there in that instance and I was I was confused by the whole thing just like you were but what you really did there was you probably took a play away from the giants at that point instead of being able to get to the huddle with and, and get that you know and, and get the and get the spike with 10 seconds left. You got the spike with three seconds left. So you get one shot at it instead of two shots at it. And, and, and that, I don't know if that was lack of awareness by Waller or if he was just hurt and, and felt like he couldn't get up because you could tell he wasn't right when he, you know, when he finally did get back to the line of scrimmage. And I hate to criticize a guy when he, you know, when he's injured, but I, I, but still in the situation, I would have thought that he would have made some sort of an effort to at least to get himself out of the game or, you know, or, or, or something. And, and it, it was, it was confusing. Yeah.
2: And, and I, you know, it just, it's, I think it's part of this larger overall impression that I get from watching this year's giants is that they're, they're so inefficient. There's, they, 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 they look, they look confused a lot of times on the, on the field. And, and I, you know, I, I watch them sometimes and I say, boy, whatever they did in training camp this year, I think they better go back to what they did in training camp the previous year, <laughs> because, because there, there was just something about this team that, that it, things never just looked like, like things were in sync uh, for, for much of the, of the season. And I think that that's my, my last going to be my lasting impression of this team is that, is that rarely did I see them kind of put together a, a team effort that really just like looked kind of crisp and sharp from, from start to finish this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and as I said earlier, I wrote a few weeks ago about things that, that confused me and 90-man roster construction, some of the way that training camp and the preseason were run – a lot of the decisions that have been made, a lot of confusing things. this just hasn't been the kind of year that that you would have hoped it would have been, you know, as the Giants try to, tried to try to build on last year that just didn't happen. One thing though that you can see is and not everyone played well on Monday, but you can see, there are some players with ability. There are some players to go forward with. Uh, there are some guys especially on the defensive side of the ball but even, you know, at the receiver position you may not have a true number 1, but you have some players there. You Wandale Robinson, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt disappeared again on uh, on Monday, but I I still think, you know, there's a place for Jalen Hyatt. I think we're we're seeing more and more with Jalen Hyatt that maybe he's not going to be a number one guy, you know, but, but he'll be a player. He'll get better. He'll make plays. And yeah, I don't, it was, it was odd to me to see him play 35 snaps yesterday and never get a target. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but I think he'll be a player. There's some players on the defensive side of the ball to build with. So there are pieces. The Giants just need more pieces. It's a big off coming up for the Giants. They're going to have a high draft pick. They're going to have, I think, four picks in the top one hundred, and and that's that's big. And they'll have a little bit of money to spend in free agency, and it's going to be big for them to have a it, it, it's a key off season for them coming up
2: yeah and yeah I noticed also about Jalen Hyatt uh yesterday as you say 35 snaps and and not a single target you know and I guess my question is and 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 this is you know uh, maybe someone who watches the all 22 can answer it uh you know was he just never open or was he open several times and wasn't uh being seen by the quarterback you know what what was going on with him and uh just to you know you talk about you talk about the pieces you mentioned you you know you mentioned Darius Slayton uh just to point out that Darius Slayton's on track to once again be the New York Giants leading wide receiver in terms of yards for the season and it's not an impressive number he's got like 500 something yards but he's he's 100 yards ahead of Actually, Darren Waller, who is the Giants number two receiver in yards Mm -hmm. this season, which I bet would surprise it surprised me. I would think it would surprise some other people because it seems like Waller has been kind of invisible. And and naturally, he missed a number of games as as well. But uh, uh, Slayton has received so much criticism over the years that that. Yeah. If you actually look at his record, he's been a fairly productive receiver for the Giants. They actually have an interesting, I mean, decision with him next year because he signed the two year contract and his cap hit next year is $7.7 million. And they could, uh, save, I think something like six of that 7 million by cutting him. They'd only have $1.5 million in, in dead money if they cut him yet. Do you really want to cut someone like that who kind of year in and year out turns out to be your most productive receiver? Yes, he drops balls sometimes, but he's been a pretty good receiver for the Giants. And so you, you get you know i I get the feeling that that they definitely need to add a receiver, someone who's who's going to be, uh the type of guy that's 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 just open a lot and and can target those intermediate routes uh that they that they don't complete enough passes about but yet they you know they do have some pieces as you say and on defense i think they have even more pieces i think there's still a couple of pieces away on defense too i think obviously they need help on the defensive line both both the interior and out on the edge because uh yesterday was another game where you saw a absolutely nothing coming off either ed- edge position and you saw a lot of runs up the middle gashing the the, the defense although I kind of expected that with the Eagles because they uh, because of the quality of their offensive line and how they and they love to 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 run that way against the Giants uh the only the, the one good thing I will mention about last night's game that that we haven't talked about yet is that finally the Giants broke the Boston Scott curse <laughs> <laughs> he not yeah not only didn't score against them but he had a, he had a crucial fumble when Isaiah Simmons blocked his, his man right right into him so yes I mean was, I
1: mean that is that is a consolation prize Tony yeah. but it okay. is a very a very nice consolation prize <laughs> one carry for three yards and a fumble that led to a Giants touchdown so you're right the Devito mania may have ended, but but the curse of Boston Scott also took a big hit last night as well. So
2: Meanwhile, that was one thing you can say
1: thing. say about uh, about the game from a Giants fan standpoint
2: is that is that the Eagles just they they do not look anything like last year's team. I mean it's it it's amazing how how out of
1: sorts they are. Yeah, it it I wrote it you know last night. They don't it all is not well. In, mm-hmm. in Philly it's it's apparent that that things are amiss there and and it's hard for me to put my finger on but you could you could see the unease in in the stands you could see the unease on the sidelines with the Eagles as the game got close I mean that's a game you know, 20 to three at the half that's a game that the Eagles team of a year ago, would not have would not have allowed the Giants back into that game but they basically handed the Giants 14 points in the third quarter 15 points because they made the two-point conversion but they allowed the Giants back into that game Giants make a couple plays that were there for them to make and they win that game I don't know what it is with the Eagles I don't know if You know, I talked to John Stolness of uh, Bleeding Green Nation's Eye on the Enemy podcast last week, and we talked about this a little bit. We talked about the fact that they have two new coordinators. Uh, There's been some personnel change on the defensive side. I don't know exactly what it is, but they're not the Eagles of a year ago.
2: Yeah, and I think they're they're especially susceptible in the, in the pass game. Mm Uh, you know, their, their, their defensive backfield, I think is just, is just not what it's been for the last few years. Their, their linebacking hasn't been strong in a long time, although they just picked up, uh, Shaq Leonard, uh, and, and I think he played fairly well, uh, last night, but yeah, I, I think if you, you know, their defensive line is still formidable and their and their defensive line still got pressure on the Giants last night. Uh Giants, of course, still managed to let Hassan Redick have a free path to the quarterback, I think, on two different plays <laughs> last night. This is the thing I threw my arms up. It's like, how, how come you can't get everybody with a man? On? <laughs> and um, uh so Giants, Giants still do, do stuff like that. But but yeah, the. The Eagles definitely do not look like a team that is winning a Super Bowl this year. Although I guess you never know. I mean, things can change so much from from week to week in the NFL. And until last night, it looked like nobody was going to stop the San Francisco 49ers. And then Baltimore said, uh, well, you may want to hold your thought on that for a, li- <laughs> for a little <laughs> while. Yeah. Now they look like an unstoppable team. So then again, the you- NFL is very unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen.
1: The uh the Kansas City Swifts don't look like a team that's going back to the Super Bowl either. No, no, and, and Patrick Mahomes looks very frustrated, uh, as does yeah. Travis Kelsey and everyone else. Yeah, later. yeah. Well, when when you enter the season, trying to tell people that Kadarius Tony is your number one receiver and trying to build a wide receiver core around Kadarius Tony, you kind of get what you deserve,
0: yeah. and.
1: And that is the biggest thing with Kansas City that's coming home to roost is they don't have any wide receivers, they don't have anybody to take any pressure off Travis Kelsey, and so Travis Kelsey gets bracketed everywhere he goes, and, and the Chiefs just don't have any any players that can that can take advantage of uh, of all of that single coverage. Yeah, and so I think it's pretty obvious that 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 that's what they're going to have to do
2: in the offseason, i don't know if they have any free agent money or not to spend but at the very least i think they're going to have to try to use their first pick on a on a wide receiver i mean they did dra- draft uh, rushy rice who looks like he has he has potential uh to become a good receiver i think but but i think kansas city yeah definitely needs another game a, a game breaking receiver and and uh you know they they managed to get by last year without Tyreek hill but i think in the long term i think you're you know, you're seeing how much he meant to that offense
1: yeah, back to the Giants, I mean, you know, fifth overall pick, I think somewhere along the way they're going to take, they're, they have to take a quarterback. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see if they do that right away or if they do that on day two, but uh, the long, interesting offseason. we'll have all kinds of time to talk about that. Anything in particular, two games left, Tony, anything in particular that, that you're interested in over the, over the last couple of weeks? Well,
2: you know, i I think like many giants fans, I'm, I'm torn between rooting for as high a draft pick as possible and still wanting to see the giants win whenever I watch them play. I mean, it's just a, a gut reaction. And when I turn on a giants game, I don't want to see them lose when they do lose now i just i immediately i immediately shift my brain to okay well now that now that it's done at least it helps our draft situation and uh mm-hmm. you know and, and there's 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 that consolation uh prize but you know you still want to see them do well against against the rams and and in the final game of the season you know you always want to see them uh beat the eagles i don't think i don't think i i will ever be able to root for the the giants not to to, to beat the Eagles, and so uh, I, I, I'd like to see them, you know, getting getting their act together a little bit. I think I I think it's got to be pretty clear now that Tyron Taylor starts the last two games, but I guess I could be I could be wrong about that. I don't know,
1: but yeah. uh, I, yeah. I, I'm interested to see if Brian Dable commits to that today. I don't yeah, think he is. has much choice but to go with Taylor at this point. Yeah. I think it's clear. You know now that he's now that he made the switch yesterday I think it's clear that Tyrod Taylor can do more than than Tommy Devito can at this point but uh that'll be interesting to see you know how uh, how he handles that situation Tony I thought of one more thing that I need to mention before we wrap this show up and it's a Daniel Jones comment Daniel Jones a couple of weeks off his knee surgery went to Philly with the team to support his teammates on Monday and I'm sorry there are morons on Twitter and on social media who are ripping Daniel Jones and just taking taking the reality that they saw a photo of Daniel Jones to rip Jones and say he shouldn't be the Giants quarterback and What's he doing there? And don't give him any credit. The guy went to support his teammates. If you're looking at the photo that you saw on Twitter of Daniel Jones and ripping Daniel Jones, that's not a Daniel Jones problem. That's a you problem. I mean, the guy went to support his teammates. Give the give the man a break. Yeah, and
2: well, you know, Twitter is just a cesspool. Um, it's a, it's a, yeah, cesspool is a good uh, <laughs> description of it. And, uh, and, and you know, Twitter is, is sort of nothing but a bunch of hot takes on things. And uh, people have agendas. And, yes. uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, so, you know, we have, I mean, the Giants, the Giants situation for next year is as uncertain as it has been forever. They're going to go into the season not knowing who their number one quarterback is going to be. Uh, they're going to go into the, they're going to go into the draft. I think, well, I, I mean, I don't, you know, obviously a lot in the draft depends on how deep they think the quarterback class is. We've been right. We've been, we've been hearing all college season that this is a deep quarterback uh, class. And and I guess we still don't know how many players are actually going to declare for the draft, but Uh, how deep do they actually think the quarterback class is? And if they wind up with say the number five pick, which is where they sit right now with two games left to go. And if the two supposedly top guys are off the board or what if the, or what if the two top guys plus, uh, Uh, Jaden Daniels are off the board. Is there a fourth quarterback that they think is worthy of drafting with the number five pick? Would they actually trade out of the number five pick to go down uh, later in the first round and then pick up a quarterback there? You know, who knows, but, but as you say, somewhere along the line, if not in the first round, then, then I think certainly by the second round they will draft a quarterback in this offseason because they, there's, they have so much uncertainty right now. You have a, you have your, your former starting quarterback coming off an ACL and you don't know how long it's going to take for him to be healthy His he was not playing well before he got injured. And so there's that question going in, uh, as you say, DeVito mania is over. And I think, you know, now we're looking at DeVito as at best a possibility for QB two by next year, but maybe more likely QB three for next year. And I think Tyrod Taylor, I mean, unless he wants to come back for a couple of million dollars, I don't think they're going to going to pay another say five and a half million a year. I think that was his contract for him. So the giants quarterback room to start next season is just completely up in the air right now. And, uh, you know, who thought we would, we would be there at this point, but that unfortunately is, is the way things are. And I guess that's going to be the overarching topic of the, of the of the the off season and uh, you know whatever hot take you have about Giants quarterback it's probably wrong, <laughs> no <laughs> matter what it is, no matter no matter who
1: you like, maybe the odds are you're wrong. <laughs> probably probably so, Tony, and and also unfortunate that that Evan Neal was placed on IR before the uh, before the game as well. We've talked about that a bunch of times. It's unfortunate that the kid basically lost most of the season in terms of development. It's unfortunate for the giants that they enter us. They enter an off season, really not having seen enough of Neil to know for sure what they've got, which makes it more complicated for them to, to restructure this offensive line. They have a lot of complicated decisions to make there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, but that, uh, for me, that was unfortunate as well.
2: Yeah, and, and it's part of, I think, this overall narrative that this is just a completely lost season for the Giants because not only uh, – well, let's just say they, they entered next season with, if anything, more questions than they had entering this season. and I And I don't think that's what they expected. I think this season they figured that they had made some improvements – and they were going to see just how good they could be with the team that they have. I don't think they had any pretensions of, of winning a Super Bowl this year, but I think that they probably thought they were going to take a step forward and they were going to answer the question of whether Daniel Jones can be that franchise quarterback. They were going to answer the question of whether Evan Neal can solidify the right side of the line and a couple of other things, and, and they haven't answered either of those questions yet. And, and now they're one year later. And, and uh, so as you say, I think it's going to be a very difficult offseason <laughs> for them because they, they can't not make any moves. I, I, I don't believe they can go into next season without having drafted a quarterback no later than, than round two, I would say they, they have to do it. I feel that they can't go into next season without having another right tackle on the roster, whether it's through the da- draft or, or somehow you can get one in, in free agency. I'm not saying you do that with a number five pick, but I think maybe by day two, you've got it. You've got to do that uh, as well. And I bet they didn't think they were going to have to do that a year ago.
1: I'm sure they hoped they weren't going to have to do that, but, uh, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a difficult, critical off season. Joe Shane and Brian Dable are going to be back you know, this for a third year, but they're not going to get forever. They're not going to get forever to turn this around. John Merritt, Steve Tish want to have patience. They haven't had patience with the, the last handful of, of head coaches that they've had. They need to have some patience. But as I said, these guys are not going to get forever. So, they need to have a good off season and and they need to get some answer answers to some of these questions and and show some progress uh, and in year three.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm all for continuity in the coaching staff. I mean, uh, I think, you know, there are enough teams out there that have stuck with head coaches for a while and given them a chance to, to, to turn things around that, the idea of switching coaches every couple of years, I think, is just it's just not a good thing uh, for a team. And uh, there are coaches who get a chance to work through adversity. I mean, you look at or you look at Pete Carroll in Seattle, right? and and the last few years, Pete Carroll, looked like a dinosaur, right? He was, you know, he was no longer getting the best out of Russell Wilson, the Seahawks that, that had been such a dominant team in the mid-decade, the, the middle of the past decade, looked like their time had run its course. Carroll looked like he just was, was not the right guy to continue. And once he done, like in the last two seasons, he's revived that franchise, uh, you know, again. And uh, I think there's something to be said for and, and, and pete carroll by the way was a head coach who who more or less failed at that previous stops he was uh he was in new york for a little while and, and he didn't you know and he didn't do well there he finally got to seattle and managed to 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 build a great team and so i think there's something to be said for continuity in in head coaching unless the coach is doing things to embarrass uh the team you know but if they're yeah, you know, if they're just if they're just dealing with unfortunate injuries and 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 some you know wrong choices for for the roster, well, that's the NFL. A lot there are a lot of wrong choices for rosters right right now, and and I think you're better off giving a coaching staff, at least the head coach and the general manager, I should say, you're better off giving them a few years to to get things done. I don't know what that number is. I don't. Maybe it's maybe it's
1: not longer than five, but I'm sure that it's longer than two absolutely all right tony we'll have a long off season to talk about a lot of those issues two more giants games to go so i think we'll wrap it up at this point giants fans thank you as always for listening please stay safe out there take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon bye